What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Shirosky, and I am super excited today. There is so much NFL news to talk about. So much stuff popped off. We got to talk about the UFC 259, Israel Adesanya fight, <clears throat> Peter, uh, the, the Peter Yan and Sterling fight, how that all went down. Amanda Nunez just continues to dominate. Got a lot to talk about there. We're going to talk a little bit about the All-Star game, even though I really kind of... Ah... Let's say, uh, lightly boycotted it. I didn't watch any of it. I did see the highlights, so I saw the best parts. <laughs> so it was a light boycott, but we're going to get into some of that. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, like I said, Bracketology is coming up with March Madness. Uh, MLB Spring Training is going on. There's a bunch of stuff to get into today. I am super excited, but we have to start with the biggest news of the offseason so far, the biggest piece of the puzzle to how this NFL season was going to look next year has finally fallen, and his name is Dak Prescott. So, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> Let me get myself ready. Because this, there's a lot that we need to get into with this. Okay, so let's just let's just chronicle some things. Okay, Dak Prescott, pretty good quarterback in college, wasn't super sought after, wasn't highly recruited, but pretty good quarterback. Ends up getting drafted in the fourth round by the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Romo, who was the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback at the time. He is now going on to be one of the better, uh, quite possibly the best um, NFL announcer uh, at CBS. And I, I believe he's at CBS. CBS or Fox. Either way, he's one of the very, very, very popular and one of the very good at his job guys when it comes to um <clears throat> NFL uh, announcers and stuff and guys that call the games and things like that, right? But Tony Romo got injured. Dak Prescott came in, and Dak Prescott absolutely balled out. He goes and plays phenomenally for the Dallas Cowboys <clears throat> and essentially retires Tony Romo. Gets to a situation where the Dallas Cowboys are like, hey, Tony, you're kind of getting up there in age, can't really stay healthy, and we got this young kid who seems like he can hold it down. And so, that's exactly what happens. Tony Romo ends up retiring. Dak Prescott is the number one guy in Dallas moving forward. And <clears throat> over the next few years, they go on to have a relatively decent amount of success with Dak Prescott. And when I say a relatively decent amount of success, what do I mean? Uh, he's there for, what, four or five years now. Um... They've been to the playoffs twice. They they won one playoff game, but they haven't really been Super Bowl contenders. They've had some down years or some disappointing years where you're playing in a the worst division in the in in uh, the NFL in the NFC East. Uh, so only making it to the playoffs twice when you have the team that you have, which mind you, Dak Prescott has had a great team around him, and one of the reasons why the Cowboys have been able to do that, at least offensively. Um, has been because of the relatively cheap price tag that Dak Prescott has been on for the majority of, of his career so far. So, Dak Prescott is sitting there, and the Cowboys, like I said, they're a good team. They're respectable. Nothing special, though. But Dak Prescott is looking around, and he sees Ezekiel Elliott get paid. And he sees some of his offensive linemen get paid. And he sees... Guys like, you know, Jalen Smith start to get talks about extensions. Um, they draft Leighton Vander Esch to try and beef up the defense. Um, they trade for Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper gets paid. You know, all of these guys, Demarcus Lawrence gets paid. You know, like, Dak Prescott is starting to look around, and he's seeing everyone get paid, and he's like, all right, well, <clears throat> when it's my turn, things are going to go right. You know, when, it's, when I'm up next, we're going to get this money. And 
that was not the case for the last, really, two, three years. Um, Dak Prescott's rookie contract was coming up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what ends up happening? They can't get a deal done. So they franchise tag him. It's like, okay. So this has led to this current situation that we were in that has dominated headlines and has been one of the most interesting sagas in as far as negotiations and the way a franchise has handled contract negotiations. Because quite honestly, the Dallas Cowboys, which... Oddly enough, because Jerry Jones is literally the guy that the NFL sends when they're going to negotiate their TV deals. Like, Jerry Jones negotiates the TV deals for the entire NFL. Like, that's how great of a negotiator he is. That's how great of a businessman he is. That's just kind of his thing. So, with that in mind, it was kind of weird seeing all of this because the Dallas Cowboys really backed themselves into a corner where they had absolutely no leverage when it came to the Dak Prescott contract situation. And, you know, it was like, basically, they couldn't afford to franchise tag him again, because if they do franchise tag him, one, the salary cap is going down this year, which means he's going to take up a ton of cap space if you do put the tag on him. And if you tag him again, you're not going to tag him for a third time because the amount of money that it would pay would just be extremely too much. And more importantly, if you don't franchise tag him, then he's going to go into free agency and you're going to lose him for nothing. So, with their backs against the wall, the Dallas Cowboys eventually had to cave in. And that's exactly what they did last night. It came out... Uh, sometime in the afternoon yesterday that Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys have finally agreed upon um, a contract that will see Dak Prescott become the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL behind only Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the deal is a four-year deal up to $164 million is the highest that it will gain him, basically meaning that Dak Prescott over the first three years of this contract will be getting paid an average of about $42 million per year. And I want to start this off by saying, first things first, right? Like, first things first, above all else, congrats to Dak, right? That is, you know, I, I like, Round of applause for Dak Prescott. I'm super happy for him. Um, he's been through a lot with this team. Obviously, last year he had the terrible injury uh, with the dislocated ankle. So just seeing everything that he's been through, he's been the consummate pro. Uh, never really let this get ugly publicly. Never said a bad thing about the organization. Like he has been exactly like he's been perfect almost, in this situation, as far as just handling this situation, um, and he's played well, right, like, he's played pretty damn good for the Dallas Cowboys, so I am happy for Dak Prescott that he got his money, right, so I want to make that clear, because I'm about to, what I'm about to do <laughs> is absolutely, and when I say this, when, because where I'm about to go with this conversation, this is more an indictment on the Dallas Cowboys for giving him this money than it is to Dak Prescott for getting it. Okay. Dak Prescott went out and got the money that someone was that the Dallas Cowboys agreed to pay him. I'm not mad at Dak Prescott whatsoever. Okay. Happy for Dak. Now let's talk about the reality of the situation. Was this a good move? In my opinion, no. There is no way you can ever convince me on heaven or hell, let alone on earth, that Dak Prescott is worth $40 million a year. He's not. Plain and simple. And yes, Dak Prescott has had tremendous success. Thrown for over 106 yards in his, in his first five seasons in the year. 
thrown for over like 106 passing touchdowns, uh, has 24 rushing touchdowns, only like 30 interceptions. He's a good quarterback. But that's my problem. He's really good, but he's not great. And he damn sure isn't elite. You all know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I mentioned the way that I rank guys in the NFL. And when it comes to quarterbacks, there are five tiers of quarterback. There's tier one, which are your elites. You know, tier two are your greats. Tier three is your really good. Tier four is your average starter. And tier five is everybody else. Dak Prescott, in my opinion, is in that third tier. He's really good. He's flirted with tier two, but he's a tier three quarterback at its core. Like at his core, he's a tier three quarterback. And, you know, everyone else always says, well, you know, he's the next guy up. This is what the market dictates. And I'm sorry if the market dictates that I'm supposed to pay a tier three quarterback $40 million per year. The market is wrong. And granted, part of that is also because the Dallas Cowboys really backed themselves into a a really poor situation where they kind of had to give Dak Prescott whatever he was asking for. But I will be honest with you. If I was the Dallas, if I were Jerry Jones and if I were the Dallas Cowboys, I would have thanked Dak Prescott for his services and I would have hit him with a franchise tag and I would have said, hey, Dak, uh, Tell me uh, some teams that you would like to play for outside of Dallas. What are some teams like? I would have given I would have given you the courtesy to tell me like, hey, where are a couple of teams you would like to play for? Give me give me three you know give me three to five teams where you know you would like to play outside of Dallas because you're not going to get that money here. Plain and simple, because we're not comfortable paying you that type of money when you're not that type of quarterback, right? And that's what this is going to come down to. And I think this is going to be a move where the Dallas Cowboys, like on the outside, everyone's going to be like, oh, they finally got the deal done and hooray and all this good stuff. But looking at it truthfully, this is going to be a deal that the Dallas Cowboys are probably going like they're going to rue the day that they that they allowed themselves to get into this position. Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback. I like Dak Prescott. I think he's a great person. I like his leadership. I like his ability to overcome adversity. However, is Dak Prescott the guy, and this is what's going to happen when he gets paid this type of money, is that when you get paid that type of money, it basically is saying that, hey, we believe in you so much that we are going to pay you this amount of money and we're willing to lose some other talented pieces because we believe you will make up for their lost production. That is why you pay quarterbacks that amount of money. Okay? That's why, you know, Aaron Rodgers got paid that much money. And, uh, you know, that's why, like, you know, you see Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, even though Patrick Mahomes kind of took a bit of a discount, even though it sounds weird because he has now like a 10-year contract that's going to pay him like $500 million. Like it sounds weird to, to say that he kind of took a pay cut, but he kind of did, right? Um, now with Dak Prescott, what does this mean for Dallas? They're not, I mean, granted, the salary cap is going to go up after this year. Like this year, they're going to, it's going to fall down. And then next year, it's probably going to go up. You know, the NFL is going to have an additional game. So this season is going to go to 17 games. Uh, New TV deals are being brokered. So I'm pretty sure the salary cap will go up, maybe even like $225 million or something like that. But even still, with Dak Prescott going on to make $40 million per year, basically, $42 million per year uh, throughout the first three years is what the average is going to be of this contract. You're not going to have the money to pay the other individuals on this team. And I'm sorry. Dak Prescott is a great example of a guy who raises your ceiling. What do I mean by that? There are guys who raise your ceiling, and then there are guys who raise your floor. Dak Prescott is a guy who raises your ceiling. Dak Prescott is the perfect guy if you sit back and you look at your roster and say, okay, we have a talented roster. We're just a quarterback away. If that is your situation, okay, then perfect. Dak Prescott is perfect for you because he's going to come in. He's going to play well. He's going to be a good leader. He's not going to turn the ball over too much. He's not going to, 
you know, get rattled. Like he's 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 gonna play within himself. A little bit of a game manager, but he can sling it if need be. Like he's 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 good in that situation when everything around him is functioning well and there's talent around him. Dak Prescott will look good. When that's not the case, Dak Prescott looks pretty pedestrian, and we've seen that whenever the Dallas Cowboys have had to play without Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott has really been the main focal point of this offense for in Dak's entire career. And for Dak's entire career, you look at the amount of help that he's had, and it kind of starts to beg the question, if you couldn't win more than one playoff game in five years with Dak Prescott, in five years of Dak Prescott being the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback on a super cheap deal that allowed you to pay Ezekiel Elliott. Like let's just let's just name some of the things that Dak Prescott has had at his disposal since coming into the league and being the starting quarterback for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. He's had one of the best running backs in the league to hand the ball off to who has been the focal point of this offense. He had one of the best, if not the best, offensive line for the majority of his career so far. Granted, that offensive line took some hits. Some guys retired. Guys were banged up, getting older uh, and injured. But still had a respectable offensive line. And and for the majority, that offensive line has been great for the majority of Dak Prescott's career. They went out, and when Dak Prescott first came, they had Jason Witten, who was old reliable at tight end. Um, They had Des Bryant when he first got there. Des Bryant and Jason Witten obviously went on to be cut or uh jason went and retired came back stuff like that but those guys obviously moved on but Dak prescott had them in the beginning and then when he didn't have them what did the dallas cowboys do he still had ezekiel elliott he still had that great offensive line and then it was like okay we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna trade a first round pick to get amari cooper in here and then we're gonna sign randall cobb in free agency to get another wide receiver and then we're gonna draft a guy by the name of michael gallup who's played phenomenally um, at wide receiver. And then, oh yeah, this past year, we're going to draft in the first round, CeeDee Lamb. Dak Prescott has had nothing but an embarrassment of riches when it comes to talent around him. And the only thing he has ever mustered is one playoff win in five years. When you look at some of the other guys that have gotten contract extensions the way that Dak Prescott has gotten, right? That have gotten their big paydays, especially younger guys, right? Patrick Mahomes. Well, look at Patrick Mahomes' resume. He's been an MVP in the league, had a record year, been to the playoffs every year he's been a starter, has only lost two playoff games in his entire career, has won a Super Bowl, was a Super Bowl MVP. That's Patrick Mahomes' resume. You look at Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, phenomenal player. Uh, has taken Houston to the playoffs multiple times, has won a play, has won playoff games, and he just—it's clear that you, when you look at him, that he is a generational talent. Lamar Jackson, who even he's still trying to—they're trying to figure out what his contract extension is going to be and what type of deal he's going to get. Lamar Jackson been to the playoffs every year he's been the starter. Granted, they—they they have only won one playoff game, but Lamar Jackson has also won an MVP, right? Lamar Jackson kind of revolutionizing the quarterback position with just him being the best athlete on the field, no matter who they're playing. Um, Josh Allen just played in the AFC Conference Championship game, and there have been leaps and bounds in his production and how just like his evolution as a quarterback every year he's been in the league. Jared Goff played in the Super Bowl, was part of an offense that was breaking records and doing all types of crazy things, putting up ridiculous numbers. Like all these other guys, Carson Wentz was going to be an MVP until he tore his ACL diving for a touchdown uh, in like week 13. And he would probably would have went on to lead that team to the Super Bowl. By all accounts, even though Carson Wentz wasn't a part of that playoff run and wasn't part of that, didn't play in the game, Carson Wentz has a Super Bowl ring, right? All the other guys that have gotten paid the big money extensions or that are coming up to get paid big money extensions all of their resumes are much better than Dak Prescott's is. And that's the problem with this deal. Dak Prescott is not worth this amount. And don't give me the BS philo- philosophical, oh, oh, you're worth whatever someone is willing to pay you. Yeah, well, some people are willing to overpay. 
it doesn't mean that's what you're worth. Dak Prescott is not worth $40 million per year, and the Dallas Cowboys are going to hurt because of it. I said earlier, Dak Prescott is a guy who raises your ceiling. He's a guy who he can be maybe the final touches to your team. If you have Dak Prescott and you have a good team around him, then yes, you can probably win a Super Bowl. But if you're going to ask Dak to be the guy, I think you're going to struggle. He's a guy who raises your ceiling, not a guy who raises your floor. And when I say, what do I mean by raises your floor? It means no matter what we have around him, we know this is the worst we're going to be. No matter what's around him, right? Like, like how many wins does Deshaun, or I'm sorry, does Dak Prescott account for for the Dallas Cowboys? Because for all the talk about how good the Dallas Cowboys were when Dak Prescott, uh, or how good the offense was when Dak Prescott with uh, him last year before he got injured, they had only won one game. And the only reason they won that game was because the Atlanta Falcons decided to completely forget how to cover an onside kick. They would have been a winless team for all that. Now, granted, their defense was terrible, but still. They would have been a winless team had it not been for the Falcons basically gifting them a win. So how many wins does Dak Prescott really account for? Like Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson just played on a terrible Houston Texans team in an organization that is an absolute dumpster fire and has no idea what they're doing. And guess what? That team would have lost every single game this year had it not been for Deshaun Watson. Because of Deshaun Watson, they ended up winning four games. So I know, at the very least, if everything around Deshaun Watson is terrible, we're going to win at least four games. That's how many games Deshaun Watson is responsible for. Meaning if we add Sean Watson to our team, we can basically we can basically go ahead and say whatever our record was last year, add four wins to it because that's the type of quarterback Deshaun Watson is. He's going to be responsible for four wins all on his own, even if everything around him is terrible. You don't say that about Dak Prescott. And like I said, he's a really good quarterback. He's not great, and he damn sure is not elite. And they paid him elite money. And they're going to feel it like, yeah, the salary cap is going to eventually go up, but is it going to be enough to really offset what's going to what this contract is going to bring? Like the Dallas Cowboys are probably going to have to say goodbye to Ezekiel Elliott. Whereas, you know, you know, when it comes to the receivers, you have three really good receivers. You might have been able to keep two of them before now probably can kiss Amari Cooper goodbye. You're going to have to lose Michael Gallup anyway. So now really your only offensive weapon, you're going to start relying on CeeDee Lamb, who is a really good wide receiver, and Tony Pollard at running back. I mean, he's good. He's decent. He's a good backup. You really trust him to be the guy moving forward? I don't think so. That offensive line is going to start taking hits now because granted, they're already getting older. They're not going to be able to bring a whole bunch of guys in in free agency because, like I said, Dak Prescott is going to be eating up $42 million of your salary cap. So, and oh, by the way, you still have to fix this defense, which was on pace to be one of the worst defenses in the in NFL history last year at one point. Like, early in the season, it was a guaranteed. Like, throughout like the first six or seven weeks of the season last year, it was guaranteed. If you're playing the Dallas Cowboys this week, you're going to put up 35 points. That's how bad they were. Now, granted, they started to play better. They're going to bring Dan Quinn in to be their defensive coordinator, who was the former Atlanta Falcons head coach, but also before that was the Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator when they had the Legion of Boom. So you can kind of assume that, all right, with him there, maybe that defense will be better. They still need to bring talent in. So right now, if you're the Cowboys you better start hitting, I mean, home runs in the draft because you're not going to have money to pay guys in free agency. You're not going to be able to bring a whole bunch of guys in free agency. You're not going to be able to pay them. You're going to lose a lot of your key, talented individuals because you're not going to be able to pay them. Why? Because Dak Prescott is making $42 million per year. I get it. Dak Prescott is, is a really good quarterback, and there are tons of teams that would kill to have him. And I understand when you have a young, good quarterback in his prime, you don't let him go. You don't let him leave. 
but I'm sorry. I think I think the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys really screwed this up. First things first, they should have paid him last year when he was asking for like $33 million per year. And even I thought that was pretty high. I was like, can we get that number down to $30 million per year? And then we can talk about it. Um, but now, like, they should have signed him years ago. They didn't. And they paid for it. And I think they really paid for it because they weren't willing to do the the unpopular, the unpopular option, which would have been to trade him, which is exactly what I would have done. People would have scrutinized you for it. You would have been, at, I mean, you would have been crushed in headlines. People would have called you all types of crazy, would have called you stupid. But that to me would have been the better move. I would have traded Deshaun, I, I keep saying Deshaun Watson. I would have traded Dak Prescott, um, Signed, yeah, like franchise tagged him and traded him somewhere. It's Dak Prescott. You're at the very least going to get a, probably at least one first round pick for him, right? Um, got some first round picks for him. Yeah, like I would like I would have called someone up, like hey, you know, hit somebody up and was like, hey, you want Dak Prescott for two first round picks? Let's do it, right? Um, and then I would have tried to get a Justin Fields. I would have tried to make a move for, you know, Trey Lance or somebody. Like, that's what I would have done had I been the Dallas Cowboys because I feel like that option, that option to me gives you a better shot of winning a Super Bowl than keeping Dak Prescott around at this price tag. Because let's just be honest. Are the Dallas Cowboys going to win a Super Bowl during the life of this contract? Hell no. No. Because this team is going to get worse. The offense definitely is because, like I said, they're not going to be able to keep a lot of their key pieces. And now we're going to really see just how much Dak Prescott is worth. We're going to see how many wins Dak Prescott is responsible for when this team has to get rid of Ezekiel Elliott and they lose Amari Cooper and they lose Michael Gallup in free agency. And it's really just Dak. And it's really just Dak and CeeDee Lamb. We're going to see just how good Dak Prescott can be. Because guess what? You're now the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So you better start producing like it. Because that's, that's the expectation now. And I don't want to hear, oh, well, the team around him stinks now. Because guess what? The team stinks because you're getting paid this much money. The team stinks because we paid you all this money and now we can't afford anybody else. So, this is going to kind of be on Dak Prescott. Now, granted, again, I want to reiterate this is not an indictment on Dak Prescott. I like Dak Prescott. I think he's a phenomenal individual. I think he is a really good quarterback. I have no problem with Dak Prescott getting paid. I'm super happy for him. This is more an indictment on the Dallas Cowboys for putting themselves in this situation because it's just sad. And mind you, I hate the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I hate the Dallas Cowboys. So... Part of me is kind of happy that they messed this up so much, but also like just thinking from a rationale and just thinking logically, like this move is terrible. This is a terrible contract. It's a terrible contract. Yes, you keep Dak Prescott, but what did it cost? It's like that moment in uh, Endgame, <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, Infinity War. Yeah, that was an Infinity War. It's like that moment in Infinity War when Thanos throws Gamora off the uh, mountain in, uh, in Voromir and it, he does it to get the soul stone and all that other stuff and like he gets it and then at the end when he snaps his fingers and um, it wipes out half of uh, half of the life in the world he has like this little metamorphosis type moment where like he's speaking to like a younger version of Gamora like like a baby version of Gamora and she's just like did you do it and he's like yes and then she's like what did it cost and he was like everything that's kind of how this feels it's like did you keep Dak Prescott yes what did it cost <sighs> everything basically So, so wild times we're living in, but hey, shout out again, 
Shout out to Dak Prescott for getting his money. Shout out to Dak Prescott for getting his money. That being said, the Dallas Cowboys are going to stink for the next five years, but whatever. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real, man. Listen, listen, listen. Like, because here's my, and that's the thing too. Like, I see some people's like, you know, like they're like, oh, this is a huge win. And it's like, I mean, you're just in the same position you were in last year. Only now Dak Prescott, instead of making pennies on the dollar, is making millions on the dollar. So, did you really get better? No, because Dak Prescott was has been there for the past five years, and again, you've only won one playoff game with him. So, and that's when he had a loaded roster around him because he was on a cheap deal. You think you're going to be able to do that now that he's getting paid $40 million a year? Probably not. But anywhom, I'm willing to wager the Dallas Cowboys over the life of this contract. The Dallas Cowboys probably won't win a playoff game over the life of this contract. For all the talk about Tony Romo only having ever won like one playoff game during his during his tenure as the Dallas Cowboys head, uh, not head coach, uh, during, as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback, Dallas, Dak Prescott's tenure might very well end up being very similar. But that's enough Dallas Cowboys talk. That's enough Dallas Cowboy talk. Let's talk about some of the other things that happened in the NFL really briefly, and then let's get into these other sports. Let's get into the NBA. Let's get into UFC and all this other stuff. Spent way too much time on that deck. Not way too much. This is a big. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. So, uh, a couple other things in the NFL. We're starting to see some moves being made. Some franchise tags are coming out. Obviously, we had the Chicago Bears are. Um, expected to franchise tag wide receiver Allen Robinson. I think that's a great move. Allen Robinson is one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league, and Chicago needs to do everything they possibly can to keep him. Um, the New England Patriots just made a trade to bring back offensive tackle Trent Brown from the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, obviously, Brown was part of the Patriots organization uh, years ago, won a Super Bowl with them. He returns back to New England, also in New England, um, the New England Patriots will not be franchise tagging guard Joe Tooney, which means that he's going to hit free agency, and I'm sure he's going to get picked up very quickly. Um, he's one, he's a tremendous uh, interior offensive lineman. Uh, some team is going to pay him. They're, don't be surprised at the amount of money some of these offensive linemen are going to get. These offensive linemen are going to sell like hotcakes. They are high, hot commodities uh, this offseason. So, uh, I expect Joe Tooney to get picked up soon. The Dolphins um, traded with the Tennessee Titans for uh, one of their offensive linemen. The name is escaping me right now, so forgive me. Um, but uh, he's one of uh, the Tennessee Titans' 2020 first-round picks uh, from last year. He's getting traded to the Dolphins. They're essentially going to swap some late-round picks. So the Dolphins trying to bolster up that offensive line. I like that move. Uh, regardless of whether or not they want to keep Tua. By the way, I've said this before. Let's keep all of you idiots out there that keep on trying to say Tua stinks and keeps on trying to like move on from Tua after one year. Please stop. Like, let's give Tua a real offensive coordinator first and foremost. Let's give him a good offensive line. Let's get him some weapons. He doesn't have a legit running back there. Their best wide receiver is Devontae Parker. Really, the only really good piece that they have is Mike Gusecki, who just kind of came on as being a really good tight end in the NFL this past year. Let's relax and give the guy some time to develop. Like, Jesus, I understand. We see guys like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow go out and have tremendous success and all this other stuff, and we want to go and expect them all, like expect all quarterbacks to be like that. But quarterbacks need time to develop, guys. Let's relax. You got a good team in Miami. You got a good thing going right now. You haven't had a good quarterback since um, Dan Marino way, way back in the day. Like, let's breathe, okay? Let's relax. Let's give Tua some time, and let's give Tua some weapons. Let's get some help around him so that way we make his job easier. But Tua is going to be just fine in Miami, okay? So let's stop with that hype train of trying to get Tua out of there or the, the whole 
can Tua really be the guy in Miami? He can give him time to develop. Um, obviously, you have some of the other moves as far as one of the things that came out of the Dallas Cowboys signing of Dak Prescott was what's going to happen with Russell Wilson because obviously the Dallas Cowboys were one of the teams that uh, Russell Wilson's agent had kind of came out and said that, you know, there are four teams that uh, the Dallas Cowboys were one of the teams that he that Russell Wilson said he would uh, waive his no trade clause for. Um, still interesting that whole situation. I don't think Russell Wilson will be traded this off se- this season, just because of money wise and just how much of a cap hit it would take for them to trade him now. Um, but ne- this upcoming year could be Russell Wilson's last year in Seattle. I I firmly believe that. And if that is the case, the Chicago Bears need to do everything possible to get Russell Wilson. I mean, literally, we'll give you three first-round picks, we'll give you four first-round picks, and then here's the list of every single guy that's on our roster. You tell us which ones you want. Because immediately, Russell Wilson will become the greatest quarterback in Chicago Bear history, with that defense, if they keep Allen Robinson, I'm pretty sure if Allen Robinson hears Russell Wilson is coming to town, he'd probably be likely to take a little bit of a lesser deal so that way he can stay in Chicago to play with Russell Wilson. Like, you got David Montgomery, who's a really good running back, Tariq Cohen. Like, Russell Wilson goes to Chicago pretty special. Now, granted, Chicago needs to fix that offensive line to keep him safe and keep him upright, but Chicago needs to do whatever the hell they can to get Russell Wilson. Um. Some other news, the Pittsburgh Steelers informed uh, Bud Dupree that they will not be franchise tagging him, so Bud Dupree is going to hit free agency, a move that, you know, me being a Steeler fan, I kind of expected to happen. Um, and a couple other quick little things coming out. Um, the New York Giants are franchise tagging defensive lineman Leonard Williams. I'm sure that they're going to try and get a longer extension or deal done with him. He's a phenomenal interior defensive lineman. He absolutely wrecks offensive game plan so i understand them wanting to keep him makes a ton of sense uh the big surprise was the tampa bay buccaneers have franchise tag chris godwin which i did not expect um the only way that this makes sense to me is that they franchise tag him and they if what this means to me is that if they're franchise tagging him they're working on a long-term deal with shaq barrett um, I thought Chris Godwin was going to be someone who might hit the, who might hit free agency. I thought the Buccaneers might have been like, "Hey, look, we're kind of still even. Even if we do lose Chris Godwin, we're kind of stacked at the position, so we don't necessarily need him." But we'll see what happens there. Uh, but Chris Godwin will get franchise tag. Will get franchise tagged. I'm expecting that a long term deal with Shaq Barrett is going to get done soon because he was a huge part of that defense and that defense was really what won them the Super Bowl this year. So we'll see what happens there. Um, interesting enough, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who played very well, obviously has been a journey, journeyman, has been a guy who kind of comes in, is a nice spark plug off the bench uh, at, court, at the quarterback position. He did that for the Miami Dolphins this year when Tua maybe struggled at times. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick apparently has not had a whole bunch of interest in this, uh, free agency or offseason period. And part of that I do believe is because of just how robust of the quarterback market there is right now. Like you got Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson possibly being traded. Sam Darnold could be on the chopping block. You got Marcus Mariota, who's going to be up. Jameis Winston still has not technically signed a deal with the New Orleans Saints to be there longer or to be there long term. So there's a lot of options out there. Uh, I think that's what's kind of holding up the Ryan Fitzpatrick um, camp right now. Once some other guys start getting signed, I think you'll see. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick probably won't get any real interest and probably won't get any real looks until after the draft. Um, but Ryan Fitzpatrick will find a place. He still has some good football left to play, so I'm excited to see what he does. Um, I was going to talk about... Will- We've already spent like 40 minutes on football. We'll table Wilson or Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold and what the Jets should do moving forward for another day. We'll do that Friday. Um, but yeah, all of that to say, there's been a ton of stuff popping off in the NFL world. Um, and, you know, this is the stuff that we expected. So I'm, uh, 
I'm excited to see how everything else plays out this week. I'm really excited to see some of the moves that come out. Like this, it's only been it's only been one day. Like right, like it's Tuesday now. So we we got a whole we got like five days left of this madness that's gonna happen. I'm excited to see everything that happens though. Um, with uh with this uh, cycle in this week. Cause like I said, like the free agency period is about to come to an end or not the free agency period. The uh, franchise tag window is coming to an end at like 4 PM today. So like you're going to see, there's, there's going to be a lot of things that pop off, but any whom that is enough football talk. Let's move on over to basketball. So all-star game. Like I said, I did a loose boycott of the All-Star game. I only paid attention to some of the highlights and just kind of what happened. Uh, looked like it was a ton of fun, though, from what I saw in the highlights. Damian Lillard and Steph Curry just shooting from half court is always fun to watch. Um, they're both incredible. Everything was fun. Uh, Demontis Sabonis, shout out to him for winning the skills challenge, uh, beating Mike Conley and uh, Luka Doncic. Great job for him. It was actually came down to uh, DeMontis Sabonis and Nikola Vucevic. Uh, very interesting enough. The two big men kind of, well, DeMontis Sabonis is kind of like a small forward kind of guy or power forward-ish. But uh, the big men coming up and showing out uh, at the Skills Challenge, that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, Sabonis was able to get uh, the win there for the Skills Challenge. So good job to him. Um, dunk Contest still... <sighs> The dunk contest, I was not a super big fan of, but the dunk contest stinks, man. And it's because they try and change stuff up every year. Just let the judges, like, just let it be the scorecards and all this other stuff. Like, like Anthony Simmons won it this year. He beat out Obi Toppin because of some new rule called judges pick or some. It's something stupid. The NBA keeps on trying to, like, like, it's the dunk contest. We want to see guys do crazy dunks. It's not that hard, right? Like, it's, it's not that hard. We want to see guys do crazy dunks and then just score them properly. Like, it's, it's, and this is one of the reasons why, like, John Morant has come out and said, like, I'm never doing the dunk contest because y'all don't know what y'all are doing, and this is stupid. Um, so the dunk contest still stinks. Really, the only time we've had good dunk contests in recent, really in, like, the past decade have been when Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were going up against each other um, because those were absolutely phenomenal. But other than that, the dunk contest stinks. Um, shout out to Zach Levine. Chicago Bull had 16 points in his first All-Star game ever. He was selected to be an All-Star. Absolutely deserved it. Should have been an All-Star last year. Super proud of Zach Levine, though. Super happy that he was able to get that recognition. He was able to have that moment. Um, the three-point contest, which to me has taken over the dunk contest when it comes to All-Star game and All-Star weekend. Um the three-point contest is really the thing that we are all most excited about now because obviously like the game is revolutionized shooting threes is everyone's favorite thing everyone wants to shoot like Steph and Dame and all that other stuff but speaking of Steph Steph Curry absolutely lit it up um also I said Mike Conley earlier shout out to Mike Conley so crazy enough this is Mike Conley's first time being in an all-star game which is insane to me absolutely insane like the fact that mike it just goes to show you how underrated and underappreciated he is because he spent the majority of his time in memphis mike conley has always been probably one of the five or ten best point guards in the league for as long as he's been in the league and he's never really gotten his just due so it was a really nice moment seeing him get into the uh made into the all-star game and have some fun he did participate did participate in the three-point contest and it came down to him and steph um, in the end, Steph Curry had a phenomenal round one, put up 31 points um, in the first round. And then in the second round, it was him and Mike Conley. Mike Conley puts up 27, and Steph on the last rack only misses one shot, gets to 29, I believe, or 28 was uh, was his um, final score. No, yeah, 28 was his final score. Um, Steph Curry wins it. Apparently, he uh, pulled a Larry Bird. Some of the guys said that he walked in and said, all right, so who's playing for who's shooting for second? You know, just like Larry Bird did way back in the day when Larry Bird walked in and shot the lights out in his <laughs> in his jump. Yeah. in his warmer in his uh, jumpsuit. So uh, super fun. That was really cool. Um, these guys are great, man. These guys are great. 
the three point contest was a lot of fun um, from what I saw. But that means the All Star game is finally done. Um, we're going to be getting back to the season real soon. Uh, second half of the season uh, schedule has been released, so we're about halfway through this season, which means we're not too far away from playoff basketball, and that is what I am looking forward to. I'm so looking forward to this season of playoff basketball. I don't know why. I don't know what it is that's different about this year than before, but I'm really looking forward to what happens in the playoffs this year. Alrighty, what are we at? 46 minutes in. All right, let's talk about some other stuff real quick, and then we'll get out of here. UFC 259. Um, I hyped it up. I talked about it a lot. There was going to be a ton of really good fights. Um, you had Yan and Sterling going on, and that... So we're going to save that fight for last of the ones that we talk about because it's a little controversial. We're going to get to that fight. Um, first up, let's talk about Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez, I mean... Amanda Nunez is just absolutely dominating the women's division. She is a force to be reckoned with. She is unstoppable. She is an absolute monster inside of the octagon. Wins another match. I don't even... I, I can't remember what, what number it is off the top of my head. But I'm pretty sure this is like the 15th or 16th time in her career where she's finished someone inside the first inside the first round. Within two minutes of the first round... Gets her opponent into a triangle armbar, forces a submission, wins it just like that. I mean, it was over in the blink of an eye. And Amanda Nunez is the baddest woman on earth when it comes to uh, combat sports. Um, and she's phenomenal. I mean, and she's beaten the best. I mean, she's beaten Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm and all those. Chris, uh, Chris Cyborg. Like, she's gone up and defeated... Uh, everyone basically so amanda nunez is phenomenal uh shouts out to her um yeah redefining what it means to hit like a girl <laughs> right but no seriously i love her i love all of the women that fight in the ufc um i remember ronda rousey right like i remember what it was like when ronda rousey was i mean ronda rousey was knocking girls out within like the first 20 seconds of fights like Every fight, it felt like she was just knocking people out every single day. It was incredible. But shout out to Amanda Nunez. She retains her title. And it really just seems like she's going to have that title until she decides to hang it up. Because I don't see anybody. I mean, she's she's head and shoulders above everyone else in her division. She's head and shoulders. Like, she's... Not like not not even just counting the women. She is pound for pound one of the best fighters in the um in combat sports point blank period. Like pound for pound one of the best in combat sports. She's phenomenal. Shout out to Amanda Nunez. Now, the main card, the big fight of the night, the big fight of the night was Israel Adesanya Stylebender versus Jan Blakowitz. And this was uh this was the Israel Adesanya, who was uh, attempting to do what very few have done and being a multiple division champ, obviously, uh, Jan Blakowicz is the UFC light heavyweight champion, Israel Adesanya being the middleweight champion. Um, this was a huge fight. Um, Israel Adesanya came in undefeated, 20-0. Uh, he is a phenomenal fighter. I love watching him fight. He's extremely fun. He's a showman. Um... And this was a really good fight. Went the distance, but I think uh, Izzy bit off a little bit more than he could chew, and that was very obvious after the third round. Um, because the first three rounds, two of the first three rounds, Izzy won. I was going to say, like, rounds one and three, um, I, would, I, I gave them to Adesanya. But I think that the extra weight started to catch up to him in the later rounds, in the fourth and fifth round. And whereas Stylebender has usually been able to put guys out and been able to use his power, I just think that Blackwoods was too big, too strong, and too durable. And like I said, that really showed 
in the fourth and fifth rounds when he really started to tee off on Adesanya. I mean, Izzy was taking some hits I've never seen him take. Now, granted, Izzy didn't go down, but you saw the fatigue and where putting on that weight uh, really kind of slowed him down and probably played into Izzy uh, losing a little bit of stamina. But it was a really good fight. Um, Adesanya did go on to lose that fight. Uh, so we're going to see what happens moving forward. Um, Adesanya and John Jones have kind of had a little bit of a back and forth as far as talking trash. John Jones has kind of always, you know, said that Izzy wants to be me and, you know, I would have never lost that fight and all, like stuff like that, you know. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that's in the work. Israel Adesanya is very uh, secretive and playing his cards close to the chest as far as what his next move is. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that works out. But all in all, a really good fight. Uh, tons of fun. I can't wait to see what in what's in store for both of these men. Um, Blackwood's like, for him, this is a huge fight because now, like, your name is going to be premiered you're gonna you're not you may not become a household name but you have the opportunity to now after beating Adesanya who is you one of UFC's biggest names you know up there with Usman and Masvidal and McGregor like Adesanya is in that grouping of guys that are like easily recognizable when you talk about the UFC like they're some of the first guys and so for Blackwoods to beat him um that's big for him it's going to open a ton of opportunities for him I'm excited to see what he does, and I'm excited to see what uh, Stylebender's next move is going to be um, as far as who he goes up against and what he chooses. So that was a great fight. Now, we got to get to the Peter Yan and Sterling fight. So it's uh, so a really, really, really interesting scenario. And it led to a really great question during the fight. Um, because I believe it was Joe Rogan who actually asked during the fight um, if someone should be able to win a championship like this, to win a title like this. So Aljamain Sterling was the uh, contender, right? Peter Yan holding it down. He's the champ. Uh, he's been the bantamweight. He's he's the holder of the bantamweight title. And it was just... Uh, first things first, it had been a really good fight. It had been a very good fight, close fight. Um, Would have loved to have seen it go the distance. But then, after about 4 minutes and 29 seconds into the fourth round, um, Peter Yan landed an illegal knee to Sterling's head. And it was very clear, first things first, the fight needed to be stopped because it was very clear that Sterling was, I mean, he was concussed. It was no doubt about it. Like, he, like, he was visibly hurt, he was rocked, but it was more, the, it wasn't just like a, oh, you know, I got my bell rung. No, he was concussed. Like, he could barely stand. Even, like, even after, like, they kind of sat him down and got medical attention to him. It was very clear that he was rocked. And, um... It's just rough, right? Because Peter Yan lands that illegal kick, and he gets disqualified. And... By rule, because he's disqualified, he lost, and now Sterling is technically the bantamweight title holder. And you could just tell no one was happy about it, right? Like, literally, after they announced, like, you know, obviously they go and they announce the, the, that he was the champ and they put the belt on him, he literally, like, unhooked the belt and just let it fall to the ground because he wanted no... He wanted no pieces of it. Like, he, he let it fall to the ground and basically got on the ground and, like, started crying because he was like, this isn't how I want to win. It felt like I don't feel like I won this. I don't feel like I earned this. And 
like I said, Joe Rogan brought up a really great point. Should you be able to win a title off of disqualification? And I don't think you should be able to. Like, to me, what the, what what should have happened here is Yan should have been should have been vacated of the title, and there should have been a set rematch for these guys to do this. Yan versus Sterling Part Two to really fight. And now, granted, that's probably going to happen sometime soon because fans are going to want to see it. I'm sure Sterling is going to want it. Yan is going to want it. But I don't think anyone should have been given the title after this because Sterling didn't really win it. But Yan obviously can't hold on to the title after being disqualified for an illegal move. Um, it's just it's 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 a super weird situation. Um, like I said, that no one was happy about. No one was happy about it. Um, so. I hope we get. I hope we do get to see Sterling and uh, Yan and Sterling part two. Um, hopefully, we can get through the fight um, and see a real contest and see a real winner because no one wants to win that way. And like I said, I don't think you should win a title off of a uh, off of a disqualification. Um, like I said, you could just tell. You could just tell. Like I said, neither side was happy about it. Neither side was happy about what was going on. So hopefully we'll get to that and we'll hopefully those two will be able to work a deal out. Their, their two camps will be able to get a second fight going um, because that needs to be corrected. Like someone needs to genuinely earn and win that that title um, as opposed to it being given to somebody because of a disqualification. That's how I feel. And I'm pretty sure that's how the majority of people feel. Um, so we'll see what the UFC does moving forward. Um Quick couple notes before we get out of here. Um, MLB spring training is going on, um, which means the season is not too far away. Um, yeah, that's really all I got for you guys for the MLB. <laughs> I'm not going to care too much about spring training. Once the season starts, we'll start paying a little bit closer to attention to it. Um, obviously, like I said, the big move was Trevor Bauer going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, so we'll see how that all plays out. But MLB spring training is going on. Some teams look pretty good. My White Sox look terrible right now. So, yeah, we'll see how this all plays out. Um, and then, of course, the NCAA tournament's right around the corner. Shout out to my Georgia State Panthers. Um, did lose in the Sunbelt uh, Conference Finals, which means to, uh, to Appalachian State. Which means, sadly, we will not be going dancing this year. Appalachian State has punched their ticket, which is the first time App State has made it to the tournament since, I think, the year 2000. Um, so, shout out to them. Shout out to the boys at Georgia State, though. Uh, hell of a season. Um, and I'm excited to see what you guys build on from there. I will say it sucks. <laughs> I was really looking forward to uh, seeing my Panthers in the tournament this year. Uh, we will not be making it to the tournament, but hey things happen but all in all we're gonna have this march madness is gonna be interesting like i said this year has been so weird there's gonna be tons of teams loyola chicago is back in um obviously baylor gonzaga uh west virginia the mountaineers with bob huggins do not sleep on the mountaineers they don't play a lick of defense and they're gonna have to but i'd really like that team because they can score with the best of them um so just some things to keep your keep your eyes on this, uh, I mean, March Madness is always fun, so I don't need to say this, this is going to be a fun year. Like, it's always fun. Um, I do think that it will be nice to have it back after we kind of got robbed of it last year. Not robbed of it, but, you know, like, they did the right thing by not having the tournament last year. So, super happy all of that's going on. But that is all we have for you all today. A lot of stuff popping off, and I'm sure there's going to be more news popping off as soon as I end this podcast, and I'll have way more stuff to talk about on Friday. But... This has been the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am the host, Dominic Shirosky. Thank you all so much for listening. If you like today's episode, tell a friend to tell a friend. Like it, share it, all that other good stuff. If you didn't like today's episode, just act like it didn't happen. And, of course, I always leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, No one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So, go out there and make some new haters. I'll see you all Friday. <laughs>